From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Thank you guys for joining us again. We are back with kind of an oddball podcast tonight. We wanted to talk with you guys and share what's been going on with us, but there's been so much going on. Honestly, <laughs> tonight we're kind of exhausted. We just today, we're actually recording this the day before you hear it, the night before you hear it, because the last like three days in a row have been insane, and the ramp up for those was insane as well. We did two days of a shoot in Los Angeles. We want to talk about that a little bit. And then today we did a, a race training school. We want to talk about that as well. Plus, we're going to answer a relevant question from one of you. So it's not really a car debate, but it is an interesting question that Daniel in North Carolina raised. So a lot to discuss, but a little different than normal. Yeah, I like this question. But you know whenever you have a uh a weekend of activities or a day-long stuff, and you look back and you think, what truck just hit me? That's how I felt Seriously. this morning because we yeah. we packed it in, man, starting Friday night. I, mm -hmm. lo I love what we're doing now because, as you know, we're both Park City-based, and uh, so that means for any press cars that we're doing lately, we're, we're flying to Los Angeles and picking up press cars. Hang on a second. I think we should clarify for people that may not know. I mean, the show started in Los Angeles. That's the reason that we have the California license plates. And we shoot probably, you know, 60% of our stuff in L.A. And the main reason is the good press fleets are in L.A. So if you really want, especially the hot cars, definitely the new cars, you've got to go to Los Angeles for them. Now, for a while, I lived in Utah. Paul lived in L.A. And so we would, I yeah. would fly back there. We would stay at Paul's place. We'd get cars delivered to his place, which is amazing. But now that we both live here... We didn't realize how cool it could be for both of us to fly in. That's kind of where Paul's headed. Keep going, man. Yeah, so as I was saying, uh, we pick up press cars uh, at the airport, and it's kind of fun because we pick these cars up and think, you know, it's it's kind of like the rental car experience, only it's not. And, you know, they don't even only ask that better. you yeah. they don't even ask that you uh, return them with, you know, full fuel gauges, which is a, a bit of a perk there. And so we're, yeah, we're standing there, and I'm waiting for Todd to come in, and and, uh, you know, it's kind of like the guys that work there. They see a lot of journalists come through. And he was asking tons, me about tons, this yeah. Audi S3 sitting there. And he said, oh, you guys are, you know, journalists. And and uh, it's kind of fun because you just get to talk in cars and it's fun. He had met Ayrton Senna back in, you know, back in the 80s, I think, when, uh, when the yeah, Formula One yeah, races yeah. were still in Mexico City, which are coming back to. And uh, so it's just kind of fun to talk about cars and pick these mm -hmm. things up and then just go blasting out and doing what we do. Well, it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, let, let, me, let me give you the image of, of what we did on Friday night. And, and, and I will be the first to acknowledge that we feel very spoiled doing what we're about to share. And I think a lot of journalists do it so much or maybe they've just gotten over it. I, I mean, any job can be a grind. I will acknowledge that. But I feel like a lot of journalists just start to feel entitled and don't appreciate what's possible. I mean, what we did is kind of insane. And it's taken us a while to get to where pretty much every manufacturer likes us, likes our work. Even though we're not huge, they really like our quality. So this was a BMW M235i versus Audi S3 shoot. Well, yeah. those are kept not only by different manufacturers, but different than press fleet groups keep those, which means they park them at different off-site Los Angeles parking facilities. But what we do is literally fly in, you hop on the shuttle bus for that parking facility as if you dropped your own car off there, and you get off at that parking facility and we'll call and go, hi, I'm so-and-so from this uh, 
from this magazine, or in our case, this website or TV show, and I'm here for that car. And they go, oh, okay, we'll sign this, and here are the keys. Mm -hmm. And you drive out and don't pay for parking. That's kind of I fun. Mean, it's, 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 no, it's, it's, beyond, it's beyond kind of fun. It's absurd. Rarely do I feel as spoiled as I do. when I mean, it, uh, this weekend, you and I were laughing about this. This weekend, we flew in. We picked up with those two cars $100,000 worth of automobiles and drove out of town. Yeah. No, yeah. Money, no money exchanged hands. No money at all. That's, that's ridiculous. That's insane that we get to do that. We've got a really fun film coming up as a result, though. Well, you know, this is uh, something that is, it's, like I said, it's a privilege, and we, we don't treat this lightly because this is something that has been, yeah. you know, earned yeah, yeah, yeah. over the years. We've had to prove ourselves as journalists. Hard fought. Hard fought. Really. And, and it's, it's really a relationship between you and the manufacturers because, don't you know, we, we kind of might be making it sound a little bit like it's Candyland, and they have about three models of every version of car they ever make, and they're just Fair all available point. and sitting there, and that just isn't the case. As we've said no, before, no, no. many of these cars are specced out at a very high level because the manufacturers want to get these in the hands mm -hmm. of journalists to show the public, mm -hmm. okay, here's every option you could possibly get in this car. For our problem, it blows out the Monroni label, blows out the price so high, we're going, all right, yeah. we're driving this fully loaded car. This is not necessarily how you or I would buy it, but, well, that's just how we're driving it. And so it, it's a privilege because they want to know, mm -hmm. you know, who's who's it going to and, and what are you going to do with it? And, you know, they know who takes care of them. They know who treats their cars nicely and, and who doesn't. So True. therefore, we got to we got to drive them hard, but we got to take care of them and, and uh, treat them like our own cars while we have them. You know, that? Well, we've heard it. I mean, really? Yeah, we've heard really insane stories of journalists who, you know, they had a car for a half hour and they broke it. And I mean, like severely broke it. I mean, there's there's a ton of journalists that have worked for big magazines that have done serious damage to automobiles and walked away. That kind of turns my stomach, to be honest. Yeah. I'm not saying that we're immune and it may never happen to us, but we try really hard to be careful and respectful of these press cars. But that doesn't necessarily mean we always say good things either. I mean, there's certainly times when you and I have turned back in the keys and been like, well, <laughs> we'll see if they give us another car. But, you yeah. know, I mean. That's true. It's true. But we have to do that in terms of the, the cars we're driving for Fast Blast because these are cars that are yeah. privately yeah, 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 yeah. owned. And, you know, Definitely. I, I am up there, you know, in terms of. You know, people driving my car, I kind of, you know, brace myself and think, all right, Definitely. well, I, I want to drive other people's cars. So I've got to, you know, I've got to let that happen, too, for my own car. But it, it's we've got to be respectful and, uh, and, and, you know, treat them across the board, treat them the same, but treat them, treat them right. And I, I think we are. It's just uh, it's just the magnitude of what we do strikes us because it isn't like a every now and car, then, you know, just. Yeah. Fly in, yeah, here's the keys, and, and you're gone, and you're suddenly, you know, I, I keep saying to Todd, like, wow, America's great. Free cars. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's a little bit frightening that it's even possible, and I'm, I'm very thankful that we're able to. And in case you don't know, I mean, this is, this is a lot of Paul's work behind the scenes. I mean, Paul's the one that chases all the manufacturers. We make a joke that I'm Oz behind the curtain and the manufacturers don't get to meet me. <laughs> but, but, but the truth of it is, I mean, because I'm dealing with a lot of the post and the editorial and that kind of stuff, Paul has very much been the face of the show for these manufacturers. I mean, many of them have met me as well. Oh, but, sure, you know, yeah. he is the one that has pursued these relationships, and it has been, in many cases, hard fought and 
long time to get one within, and in these manufacturers so that they will give us cars. And they're absolutely watching what is done with them. That matters. There's not just free cars, hey, you want a car, give me a call. This took a while, and I'm thrilled that we can now. So we grabbed these things. We drove out to a new location we haven't done before. We, we trekked across all of L.A. to a new spot. And uh, we shot for a couple of days with these two cars. We're going to have a really cool comparison. It's going to have a pretty cool look about it. And uh, we had Edgar join us. Edgar's one of our uh, long-term shooters. If you've watched our FAQ from Mid-Ages of Mountains, our FAQ number five, you can actually kind of meet Edgar there. Edgar's a fantastic shooter. He was with us. Yeah, he so really So we shot is. for a couple of days. And, uh, yeah, he's got such a great eye. And so we shot with a couple of days with these cars. And what was cool is... Each of these days, you, were, you started off by talking about car conversations. Each of these days, we got into car conversations. And the first day one was the one that really surprised me. You were in it more than I was. We were setting up for our car-to-car footage, and this guy drives by real slowly in a pickup, which I always brace myself. Oh, yeah, when anybody right. stops, yeah. When anybody stops, I just kind of think, okay, where's this going to go? Because sometimes people are great, sometimes people are just curious, and sometimes people are downright difficult about the fact that yeah. here we are with cameras, and it really depends who it is. But what did this guy say to you when he, when he stopped? Remind oh, me. He rolled up, and I, you know, I'm just – anytime people drive by, you know, we're, we're not blocking people's path or anything like that. But you know, we're just friendly and wave, and, and it's funny because people see camera gear, and they instantly want to – chat you up and be friendly and they know you're yeah. doing something with cars and so if they're a car enthusiast yeah. they want to chat about it and you know mm -hmm. we're working mm -hmm. hard we're trying to get stuff done and not that i'm you know not wanting to talk it's just you know we got to get stuff done and and so they're wanting to talk and so i always just try to be friendly and uh, so he rolled up and and uh, said hey i just saw the 911 piece on velocity <laughs> and it took me two seconds to go wait you you know who we are already and okay great yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah thanks for watching that's great and he said yeah I gotta I gotta get me one of those something like that he's like I'm looking for a Porsche 911 I gotta get me one of those and that was a great film well, what was and, so weird like, uh, what was thanks, so weird thanks is that is that I don't think I I got the impression from the conversation you had with this guy I didn't get the impression that he'd ever heard of the show before catching it on Velocity and it sounded like he had DVR'd the show the night before and happened to have watched it that morning. So he's driving yeah, around later right, that day, right. and he sees us and recognizes us and rolls over and goes, hey, guys, loved your 9-11 film. I mean, that was random, man. Well, he, he didn't even say that. He was just like, hey, really love the film. Like, um, <laughs> film? What now? What are, what are yeah, we? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, gotcha. Catch, right? catch me up here, sir. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, it's just it, but, I was nonplussed, and it was just, you know, he didn't miss a beat. I thought that was hilarious. And then we waved yeah. and I said, great. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a fan. And he well, took off and motored away. It's funny. But you bring up the other point, and that is, and this, I'm, I'm very guilty of this. We get very much into kind of our trench warfare headspace where we have stuff to do. And sometimes if people roll up and, and have a thought like that, of, hey, I saw your film. It's, it's like you're coming back, you're hearing them at a distance, and your brain kind of has to come back to the surface and be like, wait, what now? I'm sorry? Yeah. I, I didn't hear you. you know, I, I certainly have that problem because I just get tunnel vision, man, for what we're doing. But that was really cool. And then the second day, uh, we're, we're, in a, we're shooting our stand-ups. We're getting our, our closing stand-ups done. And this uh, N.A. Miata rolls in uh, uh -huh. with this kid behind yeah. the wheel that was blasting up this fantastic road we were on. His name was Ian. And he's he bought himself an N.A. Miata. He's like 16 years old. It's his first car, and he loves it. And he, he go-karts a lot. 
And uh, he was coming from the HRE event that Matt Farah had just uh, emceed. So the world got very small over all of a sudden. We had a great talk with Ian, and he was excited about the show. So it's just it's cool. I, I, I'm sharing this, honestly, only because I want to encourage any of you wherever you happen to randomly be, if you see us say something, anytime that happens, yeah, I will fully acknowledge it. It takes me a second because I am so stunned when it does happen. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's possible. But the few times that it has happened has been really cool. And, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, Gavin, who shoots with us in Utah, he shoots with us because he walked up to me at a restaurant and went, you're Todd from Everyday Driver, <laughs> which was cool. So, yeah. I mean, I... I I love that people are willing to do that, and I and I I kind of like the borrowing cars thing. It, this is a reality not lost on me. I feel privileged that anybody <laughs> goes, "Hey, it's those guys." That's pretty awesome. So that was a a nice add to the shoot. Again, that shoot's coming up. Uh, that that release is coming up in a little while. It was but a crazy weekend. You know that it was a crazy it was weekend because uh, we got on a plane. Cars. Just yeah, we got on a plane at ten o'clock last night in L.A. Landed at one in the morning in Utah. Didn't get to our hotel till 2 to get up at 6 to do another day of shooting that was today, which was totally different. And actually, this film's going to come out first. We were at Miller Motorsports Park. We talked about that before, doing a kind of from the ground up, here's your first track day. We wanted to kind of introduce you guys to that concept and talk about if you go to a high-performance driving event, this is what to expect. We did the Ford Octane Academy out at Miller Motorsports Park, and this was a crazy day. So this is the ST Octane Academy, and this is really open only to owners who buy the Focus or the Fiesta ST. You've got to be an owner. Yeah. So everybody else in the class yeah. is an owner, either car, yep. and yep. then Ford invites them out to take this you know, academy of both cars. They're full roll mm -hmm. cages. They're, they're ready for track use. They're still, of course, fully street legal, and they're not tuned yep. in any way. They're the same car that you would buy, but they're track prepped so all the things that you can do with it you know in a track situation you can go home and you know be a, a better driver of that particular mm -hmm. car mm -hmm. which i think yeah. is a great great idea there's good and bad to it because of course mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun and and this again was um they called it more of an experience rather than race school it's about oh, learning yeah, car yeah, yeah. control yeah, yeah, yeah. of your car the thing you bought so the other, the flip side of this, I'm realizing is, is, you know, as fun as we, as much fun as we had today doing this, it's tough because unless you're an owner, unless you go buy this car, you cannot just go pay money. They don't allow that. You can't this is just true. This pay is money true. and go take the class and be done with it like you can other kinds of race schools. It's very focused on these cars. <laughs> Pun intended. That's true, but 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 here's yeah, nice, nicely done. But here's the thing, though. Having said that, and I agree with you. I mean, if you if you have bought or are thinking about buying a Fiesta ST or a Focus ST, this class exists, and all you have to do is pay your way to get there, and then the class is free, and it is absolutely worth it. It's only a one day class. But the thing I liked about it, though, is it had a lot of breadcrumbs about if you go anywhere and take a one day introduction course, it's going to be kind of run like this. There were a few things they did that I want to talk about that were very unique, and we've got a really cool video of this coming up in a few weeks here. It's going to be our next big piece probably in about a month. But the uh, the, the basic stuff of car control and some of the things where they're explaining racing line, if you've never gotten on a track, 
a lot of tracks do this kind of one-day introduction school. And this one, I felt like, was similar to a lot of those other than it had a few Ford-specific things. Yeah, they had four instructors, all of which were professional drivers, and, you know, as you'd expect. But what was mm-hmm. so great is, you know, in the chalk talk, in the classroom setting, you know, of course they're talking about car control, but then they're they're walking you through exercises that you think aren't going to be relevant because you think, ah, oh, I've been driving a long yeah. time. And, and I admit, I, I was thinking the same thing. Ah, oh, this is just going to be easy. It's going to be no problem, you know, whatever. And it was mm-hmm. very much an untraining for me on some, on various things, just, you know, natural reactions that I'm, that are just ingrained. And I, you sure, know, habits, sure. some of them are good habits, but for this class, you're trying to make the cars do different things and for this class, it was all a lot lower speeds, car control at lower speeds. So therefore, when you get mm-hmm. tire speeds, you understand a little bit more about what you're doing. You know, same thing. You you work up to speed on a track. You don't just start out, you know, hot chewing your way. You, you understand the track. Sure. You understand your sure. line better. You work up to faster and faster lap times. So I really liked that part. And then I, I, I really did fully embrace it. But I was thinking, okay, this is going to be no problem. But then you think... All right, this is more <laughs> about precision. And then how can you really refine that? And like I said, I had to untrain myself in a few things because yeah. I kept yeah. doing natural things that come to you in street driving. Wasn't what we were doing here. It was really, really fun. Well, I mean, they, really they started with a couple of very basic just – I mean, I say basic because it was a single exercise. Just do this with the car mm-hmm. and like a big skid pad. And then they had us in a, in a – a, a, a slide car, a skid car, and I want to explain what that is if you don't know. I want to come back to that. Then they did a little autocross course. Then they put us on the tracks. It was constantly building on your skills and constantly building on your speed. Yeah. And, I, and that's a side note that you and I have talked about a lot, Paul, but I don't know that we ever talked about it on the podcast. And that is I think about this a lot when we shoot. You and I drive hard when we shoot, mm-hmm. but we always – if you, if you think about it, you know, we talk about driving at 10 tenths or whatever. If you think about, you know, how much of the car's uh, capability are you using, we can't drive at 10 tenths no. on a public road. No. Because the thing is, there's just the unknown variables. You've got to leave a little in reserve all the time because of that thing you just don't know that could happen. And while you and I, I think, do a pretty good job of driving at that upper level without driving completely all out because you just it's not a closed road sometimes and you don't always know what's going to go on. I mean, there's always that, you know, not on a track, this could go badly. But that's the cool thing about track days like this is they're designed for you to get to the edge of the car. Well, For yes. you to actually do more than the car can do. And, and that's so hard to find otherwise. And back to your point earlier... One of the, the things they had us do was a skid box where they literally wetted down a box and you did a 180 slide around a cone. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like a controlled drift and you left the other, other direction. You started going in one way. Think of going in, going in east and you pivoted around a cone on a slide, by the way, and then hit the gas and went back west the other direction just after pivoting around that cone. Very cool. And, you know, you're not normally in a situation where you want to do that to a car because when are you going to do that unless you've got, I don't know, some icy parking lot somewhere. Don't say I said that. But uh, but, having, but, but, but here's the thing. But this was 15 the, miles an hour. This was low speed. That maneuvering. was the thing. You that was that? the thing that was fascinating is, is that was the part of it what surprised me when they set us up for that event. I was not expecting it to be a first gear event where you are throwing these cars around at 15. And it sounds. I know. I I know somebody out there is listening to that and going fifteen. That sounds boring, but no. it was so instructive <laughs> yeah. because yeah. there's yeah. so much rotation going on 
that is not a rotation you normally do, and yet you're controlling it. It's it's a very precise move, and it's happening at 15, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I, I was very impressed with that. Well, speaking about your uh, um, thoughts about, you know, really getting find, – finding the edges of tires, finding the edges of a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's true, but in any case, there's always somebody to pay, whether it's yourself or – you know, if you wreck a car or have an off or damage it or something like that, yes, you can in a track situation. You can get a lot hotter, but still, you know, there's yeah. waivers to sign and you're responsible for the car if you ball it up into the wall. If it's your sure. own car sure. you're racing, well, then it's just coming out of your own checkbook. So, yes, there's yeah. always something. And, and, you know, I, I felt like I was at about a nine on some of my corners today. I felt quite sure. good about them, but there was mm-hmm. that. That gap that, you know, the next level, I thought, you know what, it just, does it need to happen? Well, it's still a track car. If I do have an off, Mm -hmm. if something goes wrong, well, you know, do I really need to do that? Well, am I still having fun? Yes. Well, then, okay, I'll leave it at nine. And therefore, I'm still still doing that. I mean, I was pushing pushing pretty hard a lot. I didn't feel like I was at a 10 for one reason. I was aware that I needed more time. I would have liked mm-hmm. twice as much big track time at the end of the day than we had. And that's just one of the, I mean, it's just the nature of the program. We got a good number. You worked your way all the way to, I mean, they did lead follow laps and then they did instructor in the car with you laps. And then they literally, the instructor got out and went, have fun, which was great. I would have liked an hour of that. And we had 20, 30 minutes mm-hmm. because I was getting faster every single lap. And that's what you need when you've got a car that you're starting to learn and you're starting to really hoon it. And I was in a Fiesta ST loving it again. And you, I think you were preferring the Focus. I was loving the Fiesta for yeah. all of its kind of slidey goodness. And I was getting a little bit faster, a little bit more aggressive every single lap because I can. Because mm-hmm. what's the problem? I may as well do that. you know. And that's what's great about oh, a track event like this. Yeah. We had a great day, and I'm excited about this video. Tiring, though. Looking back, we just packed it in. Man, it we did. was... Uh, we did. It was a lot, but... Um, you know, let's uh, jump to um, Daniel in North Carolina because this is kind of in keeping with, you know, what uh, what you can do with track driving, even though everything we were doing was manual transmissions. But uh, I, I think you've got a great question here, Daniel, and that is... Well, and I think it relates to the last couple shoots we did, including uh, our yeah. shoot this weekend of the M235 and S3, but keep going, sorry. All right, so here's his question. His question is, what cars have enjoyable paddle shifters? I like this second part here, not including supercars. Well, yeah, supercars yeah, yeah, have that's great paddles because they have to, and that's really part of the car's performance characteristics. That's how you drive the thing. Well, you know, you know it, it depends. I mean, the, the, the Ferraris of the world, oh, let's just get that out of the way real quick. Ferrari is known for one of the best paddle shift gearboxes out there. Yeah. And But we're not going to all end up driving Ferraris. Then, of course, you have the argument that Lamborghini stuck with a, a single clutch for a while because they wanted you to have aggressive shifts because they thought that was part of the experience. Now they're finally getting away from that. But Ferrari pioneered this and continues to have one of the best in the world. But it's a Ferrari. How many of you are going to have that opportunity? So his question, Daniel's question, is about kind of cars real people can afford, which we love talking about that, that have paddle shifts that are not just a gimmick. He's kind of asking, frankly, I feel like when I read this, he's kind of asking, aren't they all just gimmicks unless you get a supercar? Which they aren't all, but it's a great question. 
I, I find this really interesting. And Daniel, my Jeep Grand Cherokee, well, it has paddles. Does an off-road 4x4 need paddles? Well, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't. But, you know, yeah, yeah, here's yeah. the thing. When you're driving a car with paddles, generally speaking, you don't have to change modes if you want to, to change gears. You can just flick yeah. a paddle and it'll select the next lower or higher gear for that moment mm-hmm. before it reverts back to its normal automatic transmission if you're not in a sport mode or something like that, which is nice because of the big reason of keeping both hands on the wheel at all times. And here's the thing that sure. Todd and I have noticed about ourselves as drivers, and both of us have been independently commented on by various people about, hey, you guys drive with both hands on the wheel all the time. and. It's Mm -hmm. just been something we've both inherently done over driving more and more and and realizing this is car control. This is how we drive for the show. This is how we drive for camera. And it's translated into our normal driving activities. And I think part of it, the reason paddle shifters are there instead of reaching down and, you know, selecting fourth, third, you know, with the stick here. It's to keep both hands on the wheel. It's to, you know, that's why you're getting all the buttons, cruise control, volume control, nav, all that stuff on the front of the wheel. Wheels are very complicated now. So I've been Mm -hmm. finding myself driving my own Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I think, all right, well, I'm coming down a hill and I need to slow down. Well, perfect. I've got paddles. It's not that Mm -hmm. it's the sportiest car ever. And yes, the paddles aren't amazingly great and they don't feel amazing, but it certainly does help because then suddenly I've got more control of the car for what I'm doing. It doesn't matter that I'm not tracking it or who cares. That's not the point. But again, keeping both hands on the wheel, I think is a big part of it. And I wonder if it's, you know, inherently encouraging drivers to do that more and more. If you want to shift gears, well, you've got to have both hands on the wheel. It's that whole thing of giving people choice is what what Mm -hmm. it's all stacked into. And, you know, coming back to your car, it's got that eight-speed ZF in it. And most of the time, I mean, you've got... Daniel, you've got different kind of paddle shift interaction, too. I want to speak to that because you have the new WRX, for example. The 2015 WRX has got paddle shifts on a CVT, which is kind of insane. Oh, man. That just selects you know, so you a have, point kind of similar it, to where a gear it, would be. Yeah. Ugh. It selects it selects a ratio among its infinite ratios. Yeah. I mean, and that's essentially a variation of what they did in the Impreza. And, and honestly, even though in the base Impreza I sat there kind of boggled by why it existed – but, I mean, the, Subaru has done a good job of, of approximating gear ratios in a transmission with no gear ratios. But, I mean, so this is not a dual – this is the opposite of a dual clutch. It's the exact other end of the spectrum. So you have that with paddles. Then you have a traditional automatic, kind of like your uh, ZF in your Jeep, Paul. You know, you've got an eight-speed mm-hmm. automatic. Right. This is not a dual clutch automatic. It's no. an eight-speed ZF uh, automatic transmission. But you have the choice because, let's be honest, those transmissions want to be in eighth gear to save you gas mileage and get good MPG ratings. Of course, ratings. of course. So you hit a hill or something, and you and you want to go, you know what, transmission, come on, seriously, we need fourth. Without you burying your foot to the floor and waiting for it to go, oh, oh, you meant fourth now. So that's the nice thing about it. But back to your question, which is, are there any really good ones? And I would say, yes, there are. But I would say all the really good ones are the dual clutches. And that's the Ferrari Absolutely. thing. And yeah. you've got to go to dual clutch before now it feels snappy and fast and really good. Everything else, it's about an interaction point. It's not about a, wow, this is amazing. And, of course, the standard dual clutches are the the DSG. We just had it on the Golf R. And I'm going to side note here. I liked the Golf R. I didn't like it as much as the STI for sheer fun 
Yes, it's a better car in almost every category, but it's, as we talked about, I mean, you've seen the video, I'm sure, but the the fun factor, if it's going to be the hottest golf, shouldn't it be the most fun golf? And it wasn't as fun as the STI, but yes, it's a better all-around car. This is not a surprise. However, I would submit to you, Paul, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that hadn't had the DSG and it had the manual. I wouldn't be surprised if I would have changed my mind and I would have picked the, the golf. You think so? I, personally, I kind of think so because because here's the other thing that happens: those dual clutches they have different throttle calibration than the manuals, and I hated the throttle calibration yeah, on that yeah. Golf R. You had to get so deep in the pedal paddles using the paddles or no sport mode manual tra- manual settings or no. You had to get so deep in the pedal to wake that car up, and then but a manual like we just had uh, it's the same it's the same running gear. We just had the S3. Versus the M235. The M235 had a manual. The S3 had the DSG. It's a lightning quick transmission. That's a good dual clutch. But the throttle response on the Beamer was better than the DSG. It just was. Oh, yeah. And the interaction's better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, unless you go to some high-end car, and and Daniel, I think that's your entire point, unless you go to some, you know, fairly supercar like an Audi R8 or, you know, Mm -hmm. that has the dual clutch or a Nissan GTR or you know, Porsche's PDK is brilliant. Unless you do that, you know, to get really crisp upshifts and downshifts, it's difficult to make a transmission to always do what you want all the time because of mm-hmm. the calibration, because of, you know, all these factors. You know, I had thumb buttons on my 04 Audi A4 Ultrasport, <laughs> and it was it was sure. lackadaisical at its finest moment. It was just, <laughs> you know, I'd be looking at sure, my watch, yeah. waiting for an upshift, going, well, they're right here. Just because they're at my fingertips doesn't mean it's, it's that is just make it fast. Yeah, commanding the that. transmission from afar. It's not doing anything differently. It's just another input device for the transmission. So it really comes down to, as Todd said, it depends on the car. You know, that DSG is yeah. good. I like BMWs uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit. But, you know, I oh, their really DCT think it's, is excellent. It it's is. excellent. But then yeah. the enthusiast part of everybody, you know, it, it really pushed. Everybody, I think, would agree the manuals really help you extract that much more crisp shifting and just enjoyment out well, of a car. It depends. I, I, I see, it depends. There, there's, there's, two, there's two levels to that answer, I feel like. I, look, the dual clutch transmissions, I'm just going to admit it. Everybody knows it. They're faster. If you just want to go fast, they're faster. But I think across the board, as far as that that driver and vehicle interaction, they can't match that. I mean, you've heard people complaining yeah. about the the latest GT3 uh, 911 because it doesn't have the stick shift. Is that because the stick shift would be better? No, it wouldn't. It just feels more fun. But the the DSG back to to reality. The DSG in the Volkswagens is actually an excellent transmission. That was an early dual clutch. It's a great one. You can't go wrong with the BMW DCT. That is a fantastic dual clutch. I mean, even when we drove it, uh, that that we keep coming back to it. That 228i on the track was a DCT. Yeah, it was lightning was quick, fun. very fun. If you get into Porsche now, we're starting to get out of every man. You know, everybody's going to run out and buy that world. But the Porsche PDK is superb. Even if you get a slightly used model, that PDK is a great transmission. Uh, you know, I'll speak to the side for a second. My uh, wife's Porsche Cayenne does not have the PDK. It has a variation of what Paul was talking about, the Tiptronic, uh, the Tiptronic buttons mm-hmm. there at your thumb placements for a six-speed automatic. And it's fine. 
It's it's fine. Yeah. It's it's a it's an automatic you can interact with. It is not a wow. Did you see this shift? Uh, which is what the PDK brought into the Porsche lineup. Uh, but you know another one you mentioned, Daniel, that your wife's car, a Mitsubishi Outlander Sport, has paddles, and you think they're a joke. I agree with you, but Mitsubishi's dual clutch in their twin clutch is what they call it in their Evo is a great transmission. Oh, now yeah. it has overheating it has overheating problems if you put it under load like if you try to power break it or you give it a ton of track time with it with a upgrade in horsepower it doesn't hold up well to that but in a I'm using this to drive in any normal situation that is a very fast very good twin clutch transmission that you wouldn't expect it from Mitsubishi but yet that one's superb as well. Well, <laughs> yes, it's about their only <laughs> superb product not to really Rip on your well, wife's Outlander Sport, but Daniel, to be honest, we've, it depends we've on the car. It it's a marketing yeah. exercise. How are they going to sell you a Mitsubishi Outlander Sport versus the regular Outlander if they don't have paddles? Honestly, mm. it's many reasons. Yeah. It depends on the car. It's like I said, it's part safety. It's part, you know, from a shifting capability, you know, and driving standpoint. But some of it is kind of marketing. It's it's a sporty feature. Well, it is. And they're just becoming—they're just becoming ubiquitous. I mean, you can get them in, yeah. you know, minivans and and you know anywhere now. It's a just selling because, point now. And do you want to interact with your transmission? And and that's the thing. It's it's theory. Oh, look, it's got paddles, honey. It yeah. doesn't need paddles. Doesn't come into discussion because look, it's got paddles. So yeah, it it really depends. I would say the short answer. Of course, we don't do short answers here, Daniel. But the short answer is if it's a dual clutch. It's probably great. If it's not, it's probably just a way to interact, and you're never going to be wowed by it. My Jeep doesn't need paddles. It's not why I bought it, but it does, and it has sport yeah. mode. And yeah, yeah. how often do I drive it in sport mode? Like once off the dealer lot, maybe. And okay, that's not why I bought the car. But <laughs> of course, it's a selling yeah, yeah, yeah. point. And yeah, you're right. We're they're not going away. That's for sure. It's just. They're they're getting better. I think transmissions are continuing to get revised and get better, but it's many reasons. It's many reasons. But, well, and uh, that's that's actually one of the things along funny. with nav. It's one of the things along with nav systems that can now kind of age a car. You know, nav <laughs> systems. You get yeah. a you get a you get a eight you get an eight year old car with a nav, and you're like, wow, this was the like, Stone Age. Wow, but Atari eight, invented this one. Yeah, awesome. exactly. But you get an eight year old car. Its transmission, it's, it's, even if the dual-clutch transmission, is going to feel significantly older than a new one because they're just refining the algorithms, yeah. making the interaction better. Everything is faster, smoother. So you're going to start to notice it that in a way that you wouldn't on a manual or even a traditional automatic. So that's something that else is happening. But I think we beat that to death. I hope that was helpful. Yeah, lucky for you. We don't have another question on the list here to beat into uh, submissions. So that'll do it for this podcast. But thanks for listening. We really appreciate you listening and watching. Check out our videos on YouTube, and uh, you know we're doing weekly content, as you know, so Fast Blast uh -huh. content. Write to us with your ideas. We're still pooling all of our ideas together in cities and travel. We're still you know, taking submissions and kind of figuring out how yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah. work with our, our schedule for the rest of the year based on a lot of other upcoming projects we've got planned. But please write to True. us on Facebook for the Fast Blast suggestions. And if you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Write us. Write us. And hey, if you if you have, please do. And if you haven't rated this podcast, I know we hit on this a lot, but honestly, guys, that is huge for us. That is really huge for us on iTunes. If you go on, you'll leave a rating, you'll leave a star rating, and actually leave a review. We'd love to see your reviews. We'd love others to see your reviews. That is what takes this podcast and helps it climb in the iTunes rating, makes other people find it. 
Uh, as you may have noticed, last week we had Michael Harley on. He was a great guest. We'll probably have him back sometime in the future. There oh, are yeah. more Definitely guests coming up. We're hoping to do yeah. – yeah, he was great. Hoping to do a, a guest about once a month. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. And, uh, hey, if you haven't bought our movies yet, you can get them on Vimeo. You can get them on Amazon. Or if you've seen them and haven't rated them, hey, same thing applies. Please give them a rating because that helps other people find those as well. Hey, it's Tuesday. Here's the podcast. There'll be another one next Tuesday. In between now, every Thursday, videos. Thank you so much for joining us and for telling others.